Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. This is the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm Steve Merkin, the resident old guy. I live in North Hollywood, California. I'm a retired sales rep for the jewelry industry, and I love being a part of this podcast. And with us today is the other members of the podcast, our younger and much smarter members of this podcast, and they are in alphabetical order, starting with you, Adina, please. Hi, yes, I'm Adina Mignona, science fiction author, author of Crazy Foolish Robots, and not much younger, but huge sci-fi fan. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I'm much younger. Um, I think I am, but uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to make that clear. Uh, my name is Brian Donahue. I'm a church planner, a pastor, and a musician, recording artist, and aspiring author as well. So I'm happy to be here once again with these lovely folks, including my friend Chris. Yeah, so I'm Chris. I think I'm the youngest. I was born in 91. So again, <laughs> in my defense, I had no say in the matter. It was just what happened. Did uh, you say I'm, 91? Oh my gosh. 91. Yep. <laughs> right when Undiscovered Country came out. Star Trek Six. That's when I was born. Wow. Um, yeah, big sci-fi fan, obviously. I have a podcast called Yelling About Star Trek. And I'm also an aspiring writer. I want to write something. I have a plan. And also, I'm trying to learn how to play the saxophone, which is going slowly. And then I uh, do mediation and conflict resolution in my uh, professional life. That is very cool. Harry is very cool. Well, as you can, as the listeners can hear, we have a very diverse group of people. Uh, a, a spread of ages. Uh, there is between me and and Chris. Uh, we're talking about forty <laughs> years. And uh, anyway, um, I you know I I'm we, tonight's discussion is about this um, little known but obscure uh, collection of movies, a couple of TV series. Very few people have seen it, from what I understand, but it's uh, it's called, I believe, Star Wars. Uh, oh, that's right. yeah, that one, yeah, 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 that, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It 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 it. it the, you someone guys watch it? The one once. with the furry guy. <laughs> yeah, they all had furry guys. A lot of robots. <laughs> A lot of yes, very robot, very robot heavy, uh, definitely, and um, I think what we're going to do is we we we've got. I, we have some questions that I've uh, come up with, and I think what we'll do is we'll have each one of the uh, members uh, talk about the, the points that I brought up, some questions I brought up, and I'll read the questions out loud before we get to that point in the show. 
so that we can start again in alphabetical order uh, with the Adina being first and so on. And, um, and I just want to start off by if there's any, any, uh, anything that we watched in the last, since the last podcast, uh, a particular movie, a uh, TV episode, something that you saw that um, you'd like to discuss that has nothing to do or might have something to do with Star Wars. But I leave the discussion kind of open right now on that. And we can even bring up anything that we have thought left over from last podcast that you just might want to discuss quickly. So uh, I leave the floor open to anyone who'd like to speak. Oh, I can, I'm happy to go, go first, uh, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, it wasn't the, the most exciting week because, well, I came away last week with like a humongous watch list, Right. <laughs> but knowing mm-hmm. we were going to talk about Star Trek, uh, I have to say, I'm sorry, Star Wars today. I have to say my first thought was, well, I, I, you know, Boba Fett just came out. Should I, should I start watching that? Mm-hmm. And, but I hadn't watched most of the Mandalorian I had started, you know, when Mandalorian came out, I watched the first couple episodes and then a combination of, I think I hit a boring episode. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I kind of didn't continue. And a couple of my friends were like, oh, no, 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 Adina, you got to get through that episode or two and it's going to be great. We promise. But uh, life took over and then I lost my Disney Plus subscription. You know, we just gave up on that. And then, yeah, there's it's not like there isn't anything else to watch in the meantime. So I just let it go. Uh, and then with Boba Fett and all the excitement. So I posed a question to my Facebook you know, group. I was like, hey, uh, you know, can I watch Boba Fett without having watched The Mandalorian? And one or two people said, eh, short, you know, kind of. But my friends who I really do trust their opinion, they're like, no, no, no. You got to watch Mandalorian first. So I have been binging that. I'm near the end of season two. And so that's been what I've been working on um, last few days. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Season two, I think, was a lot stronger. Mandalorian season one, I there were definitely some slow episodes where I'm like, I need to get through this, but I'm not I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I was frustrated. Sorry, Steve. I was frustrated mm-hmm. with season two initially because the first few episodes, I was like, this is just a monster of the week show in season two, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it it got much better. It got. I loved yeah. season one. I loved the way they really made it kind of a mix of a samurai western, mm-hmm. you know, old cowboy western feel. Um, in uh, but uh, season two is is excellent, especially the last episode well i'm not yes. there yet Leave it at that. so don't yes spoil yes, it for yes. Me. no we can't tell you we cannot but, it's, it's but i beautiful. did not watch anything related to star wars i'm ashamed to say no. i failed my my crew members here um but uh, i'm outraged I, by the I, way I <laughs> you're outraged <laughs> i'll see what i can do to make it up to you chris <laughs> um i i did my wife and i have been enjoying a show on netflix though um, that is kind of sci-fi if you like superheroes, and it's called Raising Dion. Ooh, have you I've guys that, seen yeah. that? No, very, I have not anything about it at all. Very interesting. You got to kind of push through the first few episodes, which is not uncommon in shows. Um, but they just released season two. The first season was released in 2019. And I don't know if because of COVID they, you know, slowed down or whatever, or, or but season two just dropped. And my wife and I love this show. It's got all the feels for one thing. It's 
Um, it's got some faces in it you would recognize as far as actors go, but the whole premise is this mom, who ends up being a single mom, uh, has to raise this kid who she finds discovers is has these powers that are inexplicable and so it's unraveling the mystery of how he got them and then other people showing up with powers and then this um, organization called Biona that studies weather that's trying to figure stuff out too around it and uh, it it's kind of a little weird at first but it's got all the feels um, I actually love it I usually don't dig shows like this Mm -hmm. Um, but my wife and I are, and I love that my wife and I are loving it together. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so I would recommend checking out Raising Dion. Okay. You know, my kid has powers. It's the power to keep us up all night. Yes. Uh... <laughs> We're still with the toddler struggling through the, he's not sleeping very well and no one's sleeping very well. <laughs> My, my oldest daughter went through a year and a half. She went through separation anxiety syndrome. And at three o'clock in the morning, she wake up and she was certain we were gone. And that mm, was mm -hmm. very, very painful. Yep. Yep. That That's exactly where we are right now. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, is there anything you saw this past week that you want to remark about? Um, so I'm just trying to find the name. I think it's Arcane, the, the League of Legends show. Um mm which League of Legends is a video game that people are into. I, I've tried it. I can't get into it. But my buddy came over. We watched Arcane, this series on Netflix, and I was blown away by it to the point, like I only saw three episodes, but they were great. The third episode ended on one of the most devastating notes possible. And mm -hmm. I was like, thanks a lot, Kale. It's been great, but now I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because I'm going to be too devastated by this. Wow. Uh, that was amazing. And then Boba Fett <clears throat> has just been so great this mm -hmm. week. And I've been really enjoying that because I caught up with last week's episode on Tuesday. Oh. Just amazing. And that, then I watched that... uh, Independence Day again, finished that for the <laughs> millionth time. No, well, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dean, oh, I was going to say, so, so in addition to the, you know, catching up on Mandalorian, I think last week I mentioned that my husband and I are really, really into this, this dark comedy, um, the righteous gemstones. And so, yeah, so we, we finished getting caught up with that and the new episode mm -hmm. came out the other day and we watched that one last night. And so, and yeah, we're still loving that. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And, and I, I, we watched the last week we're up to date with Boba Fett and last week's episode is, I, I, I don't want to give you something to work for, Dina, but last week's episode is why the series is just so good. They're okay. very respectful and they're very careful about um, how they handle the storylines. And it's just, it's superb. It really is. Um, I didn't watch Star Wars anything about this past week. I went back because I was remembering an episode of um, The Next Generation that I wanted to watch again. And it was the big goodbye. Oh yeah, that one's good. Love that, yeah. And what I forgot all about it. I just knew Dixon Hill was the character, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to watch it again. And might I say, here were the crew of the Enterprise play acting actors, and in reality, real people are playing the characters on on next generation who are playing actors you know it's always like a you know a bunny and a bunny where real life actor people are playing actors and actors are playing other actors so it's kind of fun but i just did enjoy the 
um, homage to the Maltese Falcon that they do in it. Mm-hmm. And um, the characters that they recreated, you know, yes, uh, Picard is a very dashing uh, Humphrey Bogart, but I did like the fact that they had this uh, character, Felix Leach, who was Peter Laurie's character from the film. Mm-hmm. And, oh, then this, okay. uh, yeah. and then this Cyrus Redbach, he was uh, Sydney Greenstreet. <laughs> yes, yes. And I just, I just love how they, and, and there was this, you know, backstory about that, how Picard had to talk to this alien race in their language. And it made no difference. It, it was like, I don't even care about that. I just like the fact that they were play acting and having fun doing it. And, and really, isn't that what acting's all about? Mm-hmm. You're just playing, you're just having fun. You're playing acting a character and either you uh, get into it or you don't, but, and they show that what happens when you don't get into it uh, or when you do. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it episode and I'm glad I watched it. Was that, was that from season one? Yes. Yeah, so, it was season right, one. As I recall, first... that, that is the episode of next gen in season one, where I remember watching that originally going, this show's going to do something. Mm-hmm. That was the episode that really caught my imagination. Of course, the holodeck's kind of kicking awesome anyways, but that was the episode for me that where I mm-hmm. went, okay, this, this is going to be a good show. Besides yeah. the pilot, was this the first episode where they really dug into the holodeck? Yes, I, I think, think so. so. So they, um, uh, I won't call it the African episode, but like the really racist um mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't think of the episode. They they do talk of the, there's a scene where Tasha creates like um an opponent, an opponent. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that, but they don't really you don't really see it used as like creating an environment an environment. Yeah. I mean, obviously okay. they did a ton after and Space Nine, they did a ton and Voyager they did a ton because you know the you have to have some recreation. This is a fantastic right. uh you know, recreation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what's interesting? Actually, what's interesting though? Sorry, Chris. Is on Deep Space Nine, they probably did the least in the holodeck. They talked more about the holodeck, as I they, recall. Well, no, but they got really got into, especially with the what was his name, Vic Fontaine, the the singer. Like, oh my god! So goodness, remember, so remember, right. like after when I forgot about Vic. Yeah, like, and he became kind of like I, a. I a retract real my character. statement. <laughs> I totally retract my statement. Yeah. <laughs> That was towards the end of the season, though. That was towards the end of the series. So. It, it, well, the Vic, when when Vic Fontaine really became a thing, and when he worked, you know, when Nog basically stayed in the holodeck, uh, you know, stayed yeah. there to, as part of his recovery. But even before that, they had they had several episodes where they had, you know, the recurring, you know, mm-hmm. scenario that they kept going back to for fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, say, I'm sorry. I was watching. I keep interrupting you, Chris. No, it's okay. I re- I owe you like four. T- it's like Han Solo from Star Wars owing people, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I just I feel like such a horrible DS9 fan. It's my favorite, and I just said very inaccurately DS9 didn't do much with the holodeck, and they did. And I'm yeah, they nervous. did a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say I was watching uh, Die Another Day uh, yesterday. Saw half of it. But the reason I bring that up is because DS9 does such an amazing James Bond episode. So great that they actually got sued by MGM because they were too accurate, <laughs> which I always think is really funny. Which episode was this? That was, um, oh, why can't I think of the name? I, I can well, you see can, it. You can, tell me, you can tell me separately. 
because this that's is, kind of I, I like to go back and, and, and watch these specific episodes just for the uniqueness about them, you know. Oh, our our man Bashir. Mm-hmm. Our man Bashir. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's great. That's right. Was there another follow up one called Dr. Bashir, I presume? That was Am I or is that another episode? So that is another that's another episode. That that is the right title, but it's a different storyline where Okay. They want him to be a new the new EMH, which is interesting. Oh, I love that! Yeah, I love that episode. If you go with the name Arman Bashir, really goes to back to the TV the movies that came out in the sixties. Arman Flint, yes, James Coburn, so not James Bond, but James Coburn is was Arman Flint. So uh, it's kind of interesting that MGM sued them over James Bond. And the name was the takeoff of a different series, but anyway. Well, the whole episode was very James Bond to the point where uh, Cisco played a James Bond villain who was basically mm-hmm. doing James Bond villain things really well. Did, did he wear a patch? I think I, I haven't seen it in so long. I, <laughs> I want to say he did. I That's someone had an eye patch in that episode. I think maybe it was Chief Worf. O'Brien. Oh Chief yeah, Chief O'Brien, O'Brien had yeah, an yeah. eye patch. All right, because right. that's always evil people. <laughs> Well, folks, we're, let's get uh, back this uh, crazy train on its tracks and uh, let's talk about what we were going to talk about tonight, which is this obscure little movie series called Star Wars. So I've got some questions that I came up with and I'm going to read them so everybody has an idea what we're here to talk about. And then from that point on, we'll start off and you can discuss, Adina, starting off with you, you can talk about all the points you can discuss specifically what of the questions i came up with that that you feel most strongly about i leave it open to you and then when you feel you've vented and we've maybe threw a couple words in we'll move to the next person and so on on that basis if that sounds okay with everybody then um, all right so in talking about star wars the first question i came up with what was the first star wars film you saw, and when did it happen? And then, what is your opinion of Star Wars as sci-fi? Is it true sci-fi, or is it really more sword and sorcery? Um, what is your favorite film? And sadly, what is your least favorite film? Who's your favorite character? And of course, conversely, your least favorite character as well. And then on a technical end, how does the technology of Star Wars seem possible? It, or is it impossible? And then uh, we come on to is uh, simply, what's your favorite spacecraft from the series? And who's your favorite robot? Because robots are extremely important in the series, as Adina mentioned earlier. <laughs> so I will, uh, I leave the floor open to you, Adina, please. Sure. Um, chat away as you'd like to. Well, Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> not not really that long ago, but but forty years ago is forty years long. And I guess mm-hmm. forty years ago is probably when I saw my first Star Wars film. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a little too young to see it in the theater. I was like three when it came out, but I recall seeing Star Wars, the first movie, nineteen eighty one. So really, 40, 40 years ago, uh, on Showtime, we we had we magically had cable for a little while when i was growing up and and i think they played it daily i think there was a Are you daily sure show time and not hbo so not 100 yeah. percent 
certain, yeah. but I feel like my memory from when I was a kid is we specifically had Showtime. Okay. But okay. I, maybe we had, I, I don't know. So no, I won't, I won't swear to it. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't say that because I had a friend who brought his gigantic VCR over mm-hmm. to my house because we had HBO and he recorded it and he, mm-hmm. because he wanted to have that movie on tape. So yeah, we didn't oh, have man. a, well, we didn't have a VCR till like 1984, 85. We were like one of the last people I know to get okay. a VCR, but for a while, and, and we didn't have cable, like my whole childhood, we had it for a few years. And then I think mm-hmm. there might've been some financial issues at home or um, that I wasn't aware of. I think my, I think I, I thought my parents took it away because we were watching too much MTV. Because oh. <laughs> yeah. back then when they okay. played music videos, I liked it. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, but yeah, so I watched the first movie a lot. Mm-hmm. a lot. And so I'm going to skip around in your questions because sure, go ahead. and go to the robot question because that to me was where I fell in love with robots in general in sci-fi and in general, mm-hmm. you know, R2D2 and C3PO and it was kind of that question of like, well, wow, how can that like how can I make that happen in reality? Like how can and I went through a good portion of my childhood thinking that when I grew up, I was going mm-hmm. to uh make robots like that and we'd build them on the moon because I thought you know, in the early eighties, I thought we still went to the moon. It wasn't till a few years later, I, I learned that we hadn't been to the moon in my lifetime. So, but I really fell in love with the robots. And, and so R2D2 and C3PO uh, were my first loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, uh, I don't think I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater either. I think I might've still been too young. Um, I did see Return of the Jedi in the theater. I remember my grandparents took us. It was a weekend that my parents happened to go away for the weekend, they left us with our grandparents and they, they took uh, me and my younger brother to see it. Um, and I always, you know, I was at the perfect age for loving the Ewoks. Like I was eight or nine. That was, mm-hmm. that's prime Ewok <laughs> age. Um, and now the sci-fi question is a really, you know, is it sci-fi? And uh, so I'll give you the I don't know the, I don't want to say the PC answer, but I'll, I'll tell you my real answer is I don't care. I just like it. (laughs) Okay. So whatever people want to define it as, you know, whatever, but I I will happily though, argue, uh, Arthur Clark, Arthur C. Clark's opinion, which is that no, it's, it's not, you know, his opinion of sci-fi was it has to be grounded in what we really know. And then an extension. And by that, most things that we put in the sci-fi genre they're not sci-fi but again Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i don't really care it's just do you like it (laughs) or not and to me that's Mm -hmm. the the more important question um Mm -hmm. but yeah i'll let someone else you know uh i can come back to some of the other questions before but that that that's the meat of my thought about star wars i love it i love the robots i don't care if people how people classify it (laughs) Okay. Excellent. As as a Star Trek fan, okay, I'm I'm very much loyal to Star Trek. I have defended Star Trek versus Star Wars for years. Um there's an infamous video of me floating around Facebook land where I'm I'm trying to describe the difference at a ugly sweater Christmas party years ago and my mm-hmm. buddy did a whole video around that and put a monkey head on me and everything and it was it's quite i'll have to share it sometime uh but uh it was quite ridiculous but um i wanted to say in this podcast all week i have been saying i want to say um that i didn't watch any star wars out of a sense of loyalty to star trek this week um 
But I just, I, I didn't watch any Star Wars, but not out of a sense of loyalty, just out of a sense of not enough time. But I have to say, as much as my loyalty to Star Trek oozes out of me, I love Star Wars. <laughs> I really do enjoy Star Wars. And I didn't see, the first film I saw was A New Hope, the original Star Wars film that George Lucas made. Um, and I saw a made-for-TV version that my grandmother had recorded for me on USA, off USA Channel. And um, Did it cut uh, out stuff? Oh yes, because when I went when the THF when they when George Lucas redid all the movies with new special effects before he did the prequels, I bought the I went to the theater to see those, and I was like, my goodness, what I didn't see, you know, originally, but um, I have to say I was captivated. I, it wasn't until I was I was born in '79, but I it wasn't until I was a teenager that I actually saw these films the original three films and i had friends that loved them all that stuff and i gotta say i i liked new hope i thought it was exciting but i loved empire strikes back and return of the jedi i watched them i watched those two over and over and over i loved the ewoks i loved the walkers i loved um just everything about empire strikes back and return of the jedi and most of all, I loved Han Solo. That that's I'm going to say is my favorite character, hands down, in the mm -hmm. Star Wars universe. Um, I I may have wanted to be Han Solo from time to time. Um, just you know, he's just if you're talking movie characters, you want to be like Han Solo's just a go get him. A little rough around the edges, way rougher than I am around the edges, <laughs> and uh, you know, just just. <clears throat> You know, I want a ship. Right, right. That, he's, yeah, he's, I missed the favorite ship question, but Millennium yeah, Falcon is, is yeah, certainly my favorite ship. That is mine too, hands yeah. down. My least favorite character. This may surprise some people out there in Star Wars land. Is Obi Wan Kenobi, as oh, okay. played <laughs> by Ewan McGregor? Huh? Because uh, I'm the okay. exact opposite. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think the original <laughs> Obi Wan. Uh, Kenobi, who is played by who, Steve? I can't remember Alec his name. Guinness. Alec, Alec Guinness. The great, the great Alec British Guinness. Um, Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, mm -hmm. One of my favorite all-time movies. I loved him in that. Um, loved that film, but uh, um, I loved him. Uh, he was one I wish they could... I wish they didn't kill him off. I understand why they did. Mm -hmm. um, but And then Ewan McGregor, I was so excited when The Phantom Menace came out and Ewan McGregor was going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor, but they didn't give him anything to really act. It was just, he, It just felt cold and dry, and the humor just... His... Wait. His... His... his his, uh, it's it's not chemistry with um, Anakin Skywalker. That that actor, I just felt I just didn't get either of them. So I was kind of iffy. I was I was I didn't like Anakin as portrayed by whoever that actor is. For oh, Christian Hadenson. Christian Hadenson. I wanted to so much. I really did. Um, but I just, I was so disappointed, but I'm just as excited that Ewan McGregor probably is going to rock Obi-Wan Kenobi in the new series coming out. It's probably going to be fantastic. I bet it's going to make 
I haven't seen Boba Fett yet, but everyone's saying it's fantastic. I bet it's going to continue that excellence, and I, I hope I'm going to so. love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Because as an actor, he's fantastic. I mean, like, in oh, he's general, great. he's a great it. actor, and I, I remember being excited, films. yeah, when he was going to be in this. But, right, I, I agree that it fell a little flat. It wasn't yeah. until... See, it wasn't until um, Revenge of the Sith when he's fighting Anakin on the volcano planet and Anakin is obviously turned and you and McGregor got to share that grief and that heartache mm-hmm. and, and disappointment and letdown and betrayal effectively. I thought he did that beautifully, um, but he was given material to be the good actor he is um, in that moment. So that's my choice for that. The Falcon C-3PO is the best robot ever created by man's imagination, if you ask me. Um, Mm -hmm. And my favorite film's Rogue One, my least favorite Phantom Menace. Um, So I'll jump back in again like Adina. Can I I just comment a couple things on what you were discussing earlier, Brian? Um, When people ask me the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek, I always like to say that Star Wars is science fiction that will never happen. Star Wars is that. Star Trek is science fiction that might. Right, yeah. And you can see, see you can see the effects of that we have tried to create the things that are in Star Trek, but Star Wars well, Never, you can't really but create those things. You can't create stuff that was in the past, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that was always the giveaway that they, he mm-hmm. was freedom, freedom mm-hmm. to do that. I will also say, Brian, um, George Lucas, as a director, made three good films. He made THX one one three eight. Right. He made yeah. American Graffiti, and then he made A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And when he was given freedom to do the Phantom Menace and the other ones, you could just see truly how terrible a director he is. And it came, like you said, about you were really looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Ian McGregor play Obi-Wan. And you're like, (laughs) oh, my God, wake up. Come on. I don't want to hear about Senate rule number 25. I want to see action. You know, and that's that's really Lucas's fault. I tried. I, I wanted. Now, um, uh, who, who's 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 uh, I, my names of actors' knowledge right now is leaving me. Who is the actor that played um, Obi Wan Kenobi's teacher? Um, Liam oh, um, Jin. Liam I can't Nielsen. think of the actor's Nielsen. name. Yeah. Why can't Liam, I think of him? Taken. He, he so did, great. He did fine. I, f- I mean, he didn't get much either, but he he's the same guy in every film. He's very dry. He's the yeah. same guy in every film. I would film. disagree. I would disagree with that. That's yeah. that's fine. Like, I haven't seen all his films, so I, I'll, give that, I'll give that Taken is not quite on Jin. <laughs> but 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 I just you know to me he's he he is one of those actors that is one of. He, his his stage presence is such that mm-hmm. that's why you go see the mo- the film in in a lot of at least for me I'm I'm an old school oh, Liam I, you know mm-hmm. yeah I love I love 
actors like since you mentioned the Maltese Falcon, I love Humphrey Bogart's. Mm-hmm. Basically, you got the same persona every film. Gary Cooper, same persona every film. John Wayne, certainly the same persona every film. I've got a great Jimmy John Cooper. Wayne story when, I, I, whenever I, I, the time is appropriate, but. Um, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson for me is one of those guys. I love him. I love all the films I've seen of him. I really dig. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just you you guys have to see the world versus George Lucas. You've got to see that if you're a Star Wars fan, and you're disappointed with the first with the prequel films. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have some opinions about the prequel films that are not necessarily popular. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you about to say the Phantom Menace is the best? Of all the no, Wars. I would never do okay. that. I, I, all okay. I will say is I do enjoy the prequel films a lot more than what I probably should. Like I love Revenge of the Sith. I actually think it's one of it's up there with Star Wars for me because of how emotional the end is. Um, I think Ewan. How do I say his name? I can't. I don't want to mispronounce Ewan it. McGregor. Ewan. Yes. So for me. I loved him as Obi-Wan, but specifically Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan. Like him in Phantom Menace is fine, but I like his, like him jumping from the whatever platform he was on and then to where Grievous was and saying hello there. That to <laughs> me just, I love I like his that sort of. Scene. Yeah, but, I sorry? like that. I like that scene. Yeah, I like yeah. his cockiness. He's funny, and I just love that he's skilled, and he just never, ever really seems stressed out. Like he's like, "Oh, we're trapped. Oh, let's spring the trap." Like he's just having fun. Um, so yeah, I love that. Phantom Menace is not great, although I do have some lines that I that I adore. Like if if something is broken, and if I fix something, or if I get something to work, I like to yell out, "It's working! It's working!" Mm-hmm. Because it's terrible. And then I'll say this, when I'm at Costco and I'm like driving around the Costco parking lot, because that is, that is an experience. I like to yell out, now this is pod racing. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, pod, pod racing is, I will watch just the pod racing. Scene. Oh yeah. The pod. Yeah. I enjoy the I pod racing. The race. Yeah. And I there say, was a great wanna... N64 game made around the pod racing too. Oh, that, that was classic. For hours and hours yeah. as a kid. Yeah. So I, I'll say this about Phantom Menace. If you want to enjoy the movie, you watch the pod racing and then you watch the, the final fight. Like that's mm. that's where it is. The yeah. music, fantastic. But trying to answer the other questions, I want to say Empire was my first movie because that's the one I re- remember the most. Okay. But I, I don't remember when I watched it because like the whole reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father, I don't remember ever being surprised. It's just it's something I've always known. So I don't know when I actually saw it. Okay. I'd say favorite movie, definitely Empire Strikes Back. It's mm-hmm. it's perfect. There's so much that I love about it. The music is fantastic. It's dark. I love the asteroid scene. I love, I remember I even said this to my mom once when we were in San Francisco, we were on a bus tour, a wine tour. And I just and I said this to the bus driver that he reminded me of Han Solo driving because he would do this <laughs> crazy thing where he would go really close to something and then move away and it would be slow so fluid mm-hmm. and so some of the the piloting that he does in the asteroid field uh, field is brilliant oh, absolutely um, just overall I love the movie and I used to it's one of those things where as a kid I was always pretend to be in those movies so when we had we had a cottage and in the winter time it was very cold and it took like a few hours for it to warm up. And so I would put on my jacket and then just pretend I was an echo base. I pretend I was mm-hmm. Han Solo, not wearing a full Fun. winter jacket, mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. around. Oh, uh, what a great base. memory. 
That's a great yeah. memory, man. Well, so we I had, love that movie. Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, we had action figures and some of the ships. And each yeah. room in the house was a different location in the movie. Oh. You know, so you had Tatooine was a living room. <laughs> you know, so it, that was the refrigerator was, Hoth. What was that? Was the refrigerator Hoth? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Maybe I don't the freezer. <laughs> I do not remember, but I remember. I feel like the living room being tattooed. That was like the mm-hmm. one that I, I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I had a lot of. I had the the Millennium Falcon as a kid. That toy mm-hmm. was really cool because it had all the noises, but you could also open up the part of it. You could see inside the ship, which was really cool. Um, what else? My grandson has say? that from his dad. Pardon? He, my grandson has that Millennium Falcon from nice. his dad. That's really cool. Yeah. And he loves playing with it. it yeah. And mm-hmm. so for, for favorite ship, that was tough because the Falcon, of course, is the most iconic. But I, mm-hmm. I have to talk about the Slave One. I think the Slave One's my favorite ship. It has such it's a cool. cool ambience. It looks intimidating. And you're just, when you see it showing up or when you see it somewhere, it's just, it's like, oh gosh, okay, it's mm-hmm. the Slave One. <laughs> It has the coolest laser noise. Like they all, that's one thing I'll say about Star Wars too that is really awesome is the sound effects. But for me, the the pinging noise that you hear when uh, when the slave one is firing, it's just it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. So there was this there was this game for all you gamers out there, Shadows of the Empire, and it was for N sixty four, and you played Dash Rendar, but that level where you're fighting Boba Fett and you're fighting the slave one was just so terrifying. And it was just so cool. Love that Mm -hmm. favorite, favorite robot again, for the same reason, because of um, shadows of the empire, IG 88, you barely see him in the, in the movie in empire strikes back, but he is a boss in this video game. And he is just so terrifying. And it just always left an impression for me. I remember like just that feeling of, of getting into the boss chamber and then hearing the hearing the noise of the of IG eighty eight and just being terrified and then beating him the first time, uh, incredible. Was that one of the uh, bounty hunters that was on the Cloud Cloud City? I uh, was Strike he on Bags? Cloud City because I know he appears on the on the Star Destroyer on the Executor. I think. Okay. Am I right in that? In thinking that? Well, because isn't that the same? type of robot that uh is at the beginning of the mandalorian yep exactly thank you okay then yes i agree with you he that is one extremely cool robot though i I do love yeah i do love like again c-thrip and rtd2 you can't argue with them they're classics but i don't know that they're my favorite although i also quote a lot of uh Mm -hmm. c-3po i find (laughs) i don't know why i do this but i'll often quote like the line goodness gracious me when something happens, <laughs> and then when I'm outside in the snow, I like to do the the C3PO trying not to slip walk, as I call I, it. I, See, uh, I, I quote I, R2D2 all the time. Boop 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 boop. boop. <laughs> oh, nice. That's well, my favorite. Yeah, I know my son. The first the first time my son saw the films, which he's a big mm-hmm. Star. My kids are much more Star Wars fans than they are Star Trek. They tolerate Trek, but uh, <laughs> my son asked the question of R2D2. How does he get over all those lumps in the floor? You know, because he's he's you know it's that 
he's got the he's on wheels and especially mm-hmm. when they're on star destroyers or other things they never show him going through the doors of course mm-hmm. it's just passing and then they shoot to another shot and then R2's magically through the door but my son picked up on that i was a proud dad at that i was like hey that's mm-hmm. good power of observation there mm-hmm. little four year old kid so the reason so the Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the reason why I really do like R2 over C-3PO is because at the end of the day, R2-D2 is a problem solver. Yeah. He gets Mm -hmm. stuff done. And Mm -hmm. C-3PO just really, I I like C-3PO a lot. And again, the two of them are my favorite together, but Mm -hmm. I would pick R2 over C-3PO any day because he gets stuff done and C-3PO just whines and complains. Yeah. I think, I think most of the characters would agree with you. Yeah. I, I think I think that C-3PO was programmed by the original Dr. Smith from this Lost in Space. <laughs> I could truly hear C-3PO <laughs> saying at one time, oh, the pain. The right, pain. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I think he does says that as well in the film. But anyway. Yeah. So I guess this is a question for everyone. But Brian, because you mentioned, like, how does he move around? How did you feel about the prequels where it's like, hey, let's what if we gave R2-D2 rockets? Wouldn't that be cool? How did you guys feel about that? I like the rockets. I don't, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not like, no, it didn't. I didn't go, eh. Or, or, I guess I'm indifferent about the rockets. Yeah. It mm. doesn't make or break R2 for me. Okay, cool. I didn't mind them, but I know like in the fan community, that's, right. that's huge. I mean, maybe this goes without saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, But Jar Jar Binks was just weird. No. Oh. I, you know, you know, I, I get, I get, I get what what they were aiming for, and I know there's my kids love Jar Jar, um, so that's I, I guess it was he was successful then as a character, right? He got the kids, um, and so, but I was, to me, Jar Jar is the epitome of how lucky George Lucas got with a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so this this um, might I hope this is not upsetting to people, mm-hmm. but I think I would love to see a Jar Jar TV show by Disney because he deserves <laughs> uh, he deserves good material, good writing, and the actor he, deserves to be redeemed. If they would have, yeah, yeah, I just say if they wouldn't have made him kind, I mean, they really made him kind of seem dumb, not <sighs> like just this goofy klutz, you know. Um, and so I know they were going for humor, yeah, and and wanting kids to like that, but I just if and I think kind of I don't know if it's the I think by the third film we there's a scene where he is now a senator, I think. Mm-hmm. And so they try mm-hmm. to make him appear, you know, he's kind of grown a little bit in that, but I think I would have liked him better. It's okay to have a goofy character that's that fumbles, you know, st- stumbles over himself every now and then, but I just it was just a little bit too over the top for me. Like if you, I yeah. saw what they were trying I, to I go just, for. But. I just want him to be redeemed because the actor, like like the actor that played young Anakin, like they both got bullied and their careers were essentially ruined. Really? Because of how oh, much they I were hated. So it's like they that. just deserve, like especially Jar Jar, he deserves something with a good storyline, good dialogue, just to make the character like so that he has, has a better legacy. So was well, the actor can, who did the sorry Steve real quick. I keep yeah, I ahead. keep interrupting people. I'm so no, sorry no, guys, okay. but we we um the actor who played Jar Jar who was in the costume did he actually do the voice too? Yeah, he did the voice. Oh, I so didn't, he got I never he that. got a lot of criticism 
And I think I, I don't shame. know that he went into depression, yeah. but he went through a really tough time. And then the he kid did that what, played what was written for him. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, I mean, right. That, that's a shame. I mean, like, I feel like the actor okay. shouldn't get blamed for for that. For yeah, taking a role. same with the kid that played yeah. Anakin. Like he said, or I read stories where it's not stories, but like in interviews, he's talked about like when he was in high school or when he was in middle school at the time. Everybody bullied him because they're like, "You ruined Star Wars. You ruined Star Wars." But oh my it's God. like, that's, "Oh, he's a ten-year-old not- kid." That's Given, not fair to him. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's really sad, but yes, well, but Jar Jar is a character <laughs> truly terrible. I'm well, sorry. I, brought I, him up. I, I was going to say, <laughs> no, no, you brought up a good point because when the movie came out and everyone saw Jar Jar, I don't know if you remember, but there was actually a website that you could go to and you could tell how you'd like to kill Jar Jar oh, Binks. Goodness. People are terrible. They, they hated him that much. I didn't really mind him. I understand, you know, you want to have some kind of a pratfall type of a character. But if I was a Jamaican person, oh yeah, that I was would the have other been issue. really insulting because it was really a terrible Jamaican rift type of a voice. And so it was more insulting to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand why, you know, there was a lot. Picking on the little kid who played Anakin, that's cruel because that yeah. kid did a great job. I mean, there, there's this little kid holding himself up. And, and I actually loved him in the movie because he was what every kid wanted, little kid mm-hmm. wanted to be, a starfighter, mm-hmm. you know? I like that was actually he, you know, young Anakin as young, young Anakin. Mm-hmm. I, I liked I liked him so much better than teenage Anakin. Oh. Yeah. To me, like, again, as a as a, a woman, like a woman who uh, so now again, as an older woman mm-hmm. um, dating someone who's five, six younger, you know, years younger than me. My, my husband is a few years younger than me. That doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. But like the thought that I w- could have been like 14, 15, 16 and what there is no 14, 15, 16 year old girl or woman who is interested in like a someone four or five, six years younger. That That is just I could not. That to me was, was the weird. worst part of the first the the, the prequel movies and don't forget about how creepy anakin is towards padme in, mm-hmm. in the like attack of the clones oh. and even Re- revenge yeah. of the sith yeah yeah no you're absolutely right you're absolutely to right. the point where i felt again this is a jar jar thing but i always felt mm-hmm. bad for jar jar where it's like hey anakin i haven't seen you in a long time how are you oh hi jar jar by the way i want to just talk about padme it's like i've been thinking about her every day it's like that's maybe creepy. taking yep. a little too far yep yep <laughs> too yep. far <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get they really just back themselves into a little bit of a corner in trying to come up with a parentage for Luke and Leia. Um, I feel like there are probably like a dozen different ways they could have solved that better. <laughs> I'm I'm interested real quick, if we can, Steve. Yeah, I think we should have uh, Adina kind of answered the question. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't Chris and I I don't think you did either, Steve, but um, oh. is Star Wars really sci fi? Oh, I, I don't think or so. Not? You don't think so, Chris? I think it's more fantasy, even though it's set in space. And there's so there's a lot of reasons, but one of the I did a whole video about this recently. And I guess the reason one of the reasons I started thinking about it that way was because I hate having to debate what is like which one's better, Star Wars or Star Trek, because I think they're apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um for me, Star Wars I don't know if this is like a requirement of science fiction, but I like it when science fiction explains technology and how things work. Mm. And you only really get that if you read the technical manuals for the, for the different ships, but in the way star Wars is, you don't really get an explanation as to how things work. 
I also, again, I don't know if this is a requirement of all sci-fi, but I think sci-fi is at its best when it does the Star Trek, the Twilight Zone thing, where it's like you can take a social contemporary issue, but explore it through sci-fi. Whereas I don't get the sense that Star Wars does that. They do (laughs) explore good and evil, but they don't go a lot deeper than that. It's very black and white, the way they describe good and evil. So, firstly, I don't think it's it's sci-fi. Okay. Um, But again, does it, like, but to Dina's point, does it matter? Like, they're both cool shows. Right. Or cool franchises. And people are allowed to love them both. It does not have to be any kind of either. It's fine. (laughs) And heck, we as Trekkies owe Star Wars because we wouldn't have gotten the motion picture without Star Wars, most likely. Uh Yeah. No, it did. Star Wars did reboot science fiction and put it to a new level where it said, this can be fun. It mm-hmm. can be old-fashioned. It can be a Western. It can be uh, a sword and sorcery. It can be a lot of different things. I mean, they even said that when they went to go shoot the scenes in The New Hope, the battle sequences, they went back to World War II movies and oh, wanted to yeah. see that type of interaction between fighter planes and bomber crews and things like that. And that's where they get all that feeling feeling in the film. So I give oh, them I credit. That. Yeah. I love that. Well, well, I am of the opinion... Mm-hmm. That it is not true sci-fi. And I'm, I'm also of the opinion that I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I do think that what I'm appreciative of in especially Mandalorian, in what the first episode I saw Boba Fett, I could see they're kind of headed there. It is Star Wars is becoming much less cut and dry black and white. Mm-hmm. There's much more exploration of um, why characters might have leaned one way or the other, and there's much more sympathy in the storytelling um, of some of the characters that maybe traditionally in Star Wars would be just very cut and dry, good guy, bad guy. Um, and so I appreciate that about the new stuff they're doing. Um, yeah. is, it is not as deep as Star Trek. Um uh, but as far as that goes, um, mm-hmm. but I do I do enjoy that about the new Star Wars. So my answer is no, but I don't I don't care. It is definitely fantasy, but it's a lot of fun. It's escapism, you know. It's really great. You know, we're only three episodes in. We might have to rename the podcast the Big Sci-Fi and Fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> true. I would love to talk Lord of the Rings. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. You want to go yeah. there? I'll go there in a heartbeat. Man, I like Lord of the Rings. Too. I don't know this. Like I don't know. Like I know my Trek and Star Wars, but I, I enjoy that. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, I don't think we should rename. We're talking about this live on the podcast. <laughs> I don't think we should. I don't think we should rename the podcast. I think we should just have some special fantasy episodes. Yeah, yeah. where I we think just that's a good clearly idea. state. Yeah. Let's just have some special episodes where we mm-hmm. go different places just for fun because we can. We yeah, can examine. why not? Sure. The record, I was just I was just making a joke. Uh, maybe not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, I'm curious. Since I'm the old guy of the group at 65, I got to witness Star Wars from the very beginning. And for me, I was at home on a Saturday afternoon when some friends came over and said, last night I saw the most amazing film I've ever seen in my entire life. And what was it? He goes, it was Star Wars. And I said, yeah, I saw the commercials. Is it that good? He goes, it's better that you you have to go see it. 
but you won't believe how great the music is. So on mm. that Saturday, I went out to the local record store, purchased the two album of Star Wars music, brought it home, put it on my record player. And then the next day I called my best friend and said, we're going tonight to go see this movie. We have to see it. If the, if the movie's half as good as the music, I got to see this film. So we got in line on the Sunday after it premiered and we waited through two showings to get to see it. That's not what I would expect. I, I don't think I'd ever would have expected someone to be like, yeah, I, I listened to the music and then I wanted to go see the movie. Yeah, that's that's me too. unusual. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the music is that great. And I think is, that you, yes. can, you, can, you can not watch the movie, listen to the soundtrack and just be amazed by just how you can see the film by the music. And that's just how great it was. Um, and so after that, I went and for the next uh, few weeks, I took eight different groups of people to go see the movie because I had to <laughs> right. see it again. And every time we, as soon as Darth Vader appeared, we're all going, boo, boo, you know, and it's like old time movie watching, yeah. which was so great. So that I got to see the first weekend. And then I had the privilege because I had a lot of friends of mine who were all Star Wars nerds and maniacs. And they stood in line for three days before uh, Return of the Jedi appeared. And I got in line and we got to see the very first showing on the West Coast wow. of Return of the Jedi at the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles. Wow. And that was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, you know, at that time, Star Wars was actually bigger than Star Trek because their movies were doing so well and they were reinventing or recreating the genre of science fiction. And so it was uh, it was great. And so, yeah. You know, it's it's more sword and sorcery to me than it is science fiction. But because there is science technology in it, it becomes science and fiction. I guess it still applies. But what I have always a problem was that, you know, you watch Star Trek and you see the the, the warp engine. I mean, it's this monstrous, mass, massive thing to create a warp bubble that you're able to travel faster than the speed of light. Whereas any spacecraft in that movie seemed to be able to, to go hyperdrive, have a hyperdrive. Mm -hmm. Which is their power systems came from? How did they do this? It, mm -hmm. it, as you said, Chris, it's never really defined the technology. We just assume it works. And so we do that. And the same thing applies. How do you stop a beam of light from traveling from a power source only four feet out from it? And that becomes a lightsaber. It's cool looking, but really, could it ever, ever work? And so that's where the technology is kind of a little, you know, you got to you gotta really uh, take a leap of faith sometime to believe it. Um, my favorite film is, without a doubt, I agree, it's Rogue One. It's just a beautiful standalone film that has great actors, uh, a great storyline, really superheroes that you just love. But the one that I really can't love and I really despise is um, Attack of the Clones. Um, as we talked earlier, mm -hmm. uh, teenage Anakin, you just want to uh, slap his little yeah. face and say, <laughs> shut up. And oh, by the way, you went and slaughtered an entire village because of your mom, you, you killed everybody in the village right. and you were, you were okay with it. And then your girlfriend's okay with it. Well, I don't and know the about emperor, that. 
says, yeah. remember what you told me about it. Yes, of course I remember. I was there. I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. She accepts the fact that she's hanging out with a homicidal maniac. I yeah. got no problem with that. And I'll also have your child, too. What do you think about that? It's just a little weird. Yeah. Um, it's, my it's favorite bad. character, and this is going to throw a weird one to all you folks. I love Watto. Oh, well, right. I think okay. Watto is was he made me laugh. I thought he was hilarious. He was an integral part to getting the story going. If you really look at the very beginning, hmm. but I just like him. It's just he brings a smile to my face when I see the little wings fluttering and his uh, very uh, Armenian gravelly voice. Uh, <laughs> I just I just really love him. Um, but yeah, as we talked earlier, Jar Jar Banks. Uh, if he never existed, I'd be I'd be very very happy with that. And my favorite spacecraft, without a doubt, as you saw earlier today in the photo, I think the X-wing is the most beautiful spacecraft ever designed. It's compact. It's tight. It's a fighter. I, I growing up as a kid and seeing the F-104 Starfighter, which was a long body, short wings, super fast. It just is really a beautiful machine. It's a true fighter. And then you get to throw in R2-D2, your favorite robot, and he's the co-pilot. And that is actually a great combination of the, the human character and the robot character working together. And then when R2 gets shot at the end of you know the, the battle sequence, you're, you're heartbroken. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. my God, he gave his life to save to save Luke so we could complete his mission. And, and you know, when, when C-3PO says, I'll, I'll gladly contribute any parts I have to save him. That's a true friend talking, you know, mm -hmm. so you can see why they're, um, they're so beloved. Um, as far as, you know, who's my favorite robot, it's believe it or not, the one that always sticks, stands out. And that comes from, uh, is a K2SO. Oh, uh -oh yeah. Which one yeah. is that? Uh oh, I that's know. um, uh, the Firefly guy, the actor who played oh, okay, what's okay, his okay. name, Alan. Alan, it's Alan Tudrick uh, uh, or Tudrick. I, I just love his sassy attitude. I love the way he was a reprogrammed robot to help them. And he, again, you know, in the end, he gives his life to complete the mission, and I just always liked him, but. You know, as as you said, Adina, that, you know, R2 and, and C-3PO are your favorite characters. Mm -hmm. And George Lucas always said that the story of Star Wars is told through the robots. It's their story. It's not the human story. It's the robot story. And from the very beginning, it was that that was the case, which is why when the last movie was done, when Rise of the Skywalker was done, there's a scene that should have been done that was did not appear in the movie or, and this is what I feel should have been done. When the movie ends and the last words appear and the scrolls up and it goes black, that they should have added a scene at the end where the camera pans down and you see a, a, um, um, a campfire. And around the campfire are a number of little children. They're all dressed like Padawans in their little brown coats. Mm -hmm. And and sitting across them is R two. It's going to be a C three PO, and C three PO says, "And that children is how Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, and their friends, which includes me, 
and how we saved the Republic, we saved the galaxy and brought order and happiness to it. And the kids all stand up and they start clapping, you know? And then the one little girl leans over and says to C-3PO, that was great. Can you tell me the story one more time? And C-3PO would say, why my dear, I'd be delighted to. So it all began a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And as the flames of the fire rise up as ashes and they become the stars in the sky, a single X-wing would fly overhead, ending it. Because it really is C-3PO's story. And when he loses his memory and they have to reboot it all, um, he is the he is the the um, torchbearer mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie series. So I can I know that from the very beginning he was a great character and he still is and he's still one of my favorite robots as well. Yeah, that was one of the things I did like about the prequel movies is bringing C three PO into that. That was not something I expected and mm-hmm. and I I enjoyed that bit of continuity mm-hmm. uh, with him there. But can we go talk about the ships for a, a second? Yes, I want to. I want to make a pitch for the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my my pitch is the the thing is it's more than a ship. It's his home. You know, it's and it's a tough ship. It goes through everything. It takes a beating, mm-hmm. and it still is a home. And that's I think one of the reasons why I I like it so much is because it's not just a, a fighter or something. It is really where he lives. And I was almost ready to say you know since i've been watching uh, mandalorian all week i was almost getting ready to say that razor crest might be one of my favorites too for for the same reason because i think i'm i'm really digging it as mm-hmm. you know it's taking a beating it's his home um so he's got to like constantly fix it or work on it or get it fixed but it can get him anywhere and it takes care of him so to me the ship becomes that kind of character too and uh, in a way that for me, the the X fighters or any of the other ships just don't don't do that. Like they're well, cool, but they don't like they're not home. Right, well, yeah, they're not a home. The, like yeah. I also wonder, like because yeah, you're right. That is a home. You can travel anywhere, but you can you can live there. But with an X wing, you like I don't know how uncomfortable it is. But the fact he's that not you sleeping can, in can, it. No, yeah, no, it's, just, it's a it. fighter. It's it's a pure fighter. But you know what you said, Adina, is so true because. When they were running the trailers for the first of the J.J. Abrams movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see the scene where Han Solo and, and Chewbacca walk into the Millennium Falcon and he says, Chewie, we're home. Mm-hmm. I lost my I mind. started crying because right. that is their home. Like yep. you just said, that was everything about it. And when we saw the movie in the theater and... They're running around through Tatooine, and yep, yep. and the one character, Poe, uh, Poe says, not Poe, excuse me, uh, 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 um, oh, God, the, the black actor, uh, his name was? Finn. Oh, Finn. Finn, Finn, yeah, Finn. When Finn's, you know, we got to go. She goes, he goes, not in that piece of junk. And then you see what the peak of the junk is, and it's the Millennium Falcon. The audience mm-hmm. stood up and cheered and applauded oh, yeah. in the theater. That was because my it is. Well. It it was it's a beloved spacecraft and it really does for good reason. <laughs> That's yes. what I find so interesting is that I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that we all love this ship and to me it's like it's gorgeous, it's sleek, it's iconic, but I can't get around or can't wrap my head around the fact that characters in universe don't think it's that great. Like the fact that 
Princess Leia is like, oh, that's a that's a, or yeah. She says we get your way in that thing, thing. yeah. You know? And then yeah. Luke says, what a piece of junk. It's like, you know, uh, but that's meant to be, I think, a little we, funny. You know, I think it yeah. is meant to be like a little, you know, kind of funny and humorous and everything. Yeah. And it is, it is, it it's, is. It's you know, it's like yeah. it's like a guy that drives around the clunker for years. Yeah, and it's the most beautiful thing in the world to him. And to everyone else, it's it's a hunk of junk. You know, it's ugly, but yeah. Um, but it also has like a big block Chevy engine in it, and right? You can do right. the quarter mile in in ten <laughs> seconds. It will because, never die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. one of the things that interesting, Adina, you said how it feels like home. Like, I you know, I used to love. I would like, man, I would love to fly around in the Millennium Falcon and play games and. You know, mm-hmm. on that game board, and let mm-hmm. Chewie beat me. Of course, you never let yeah, Chewie beat exactly. you. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that's one reason why we like why the Enterprise is so appealing mm-hmm. in Star Trek is fans can see themselves in that as a home, living there in their quarters, walking yeah. around, enjoying Ten Forward, doing uh, all the, of course, all the wonderful. Um, parts of that ship that they okay. never show on film. Wanted, so speaking of that, there. for anyone who has a, a VR virtual reality headset rig um, through Steam VR, so an Oculus mm-hmm. or a Vive, mm-hmm. there is a workspace uh, on Steam VR for the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. The the, the guy who put it together from, from from different uh different models and everything, it's wow amazing you're on the bridge you're in um uh a shuttlecraft a cargo bay with the shuttlecraft you're mm-hmm. in a holodeck that doesn't do anything but it's just the holodeck um mm. and several engineering uh just in the hallway oh my gosh it's mm. it's uh, it is feels mm. like i'm there it's freaking amazing <laughs> it, it's well, funny you, know, you say that because like mm-hmm. i love star wars but i would not I don't. That's like one universe where I'm like, I have no desire to be in that universe. Mm-hmm. Everything I would seems die terrifying. In five sec- I'm sure I would be dead in five <laughs> seconds. I, I'm convinced that there are like thousands of deaths every second in <laughs> on Coruscant because people are falling off the railing or falling off platforms. <laughs> but yeah, you say the Enterprise. It's like yes, yep, that's I want to be there. Be. Mm-hmm. And that's why because yeah. it's like Star- And that's why in Star Trek Three, when the Enterprise is oh. destroyed. Mm-hmm. People cried in the theater because I might it still was like watching, huh? <laughs> I might still cry, and I, I'm not a crier. I, I am. Right. I am not. I am. I'm stone. I don't cry, but I, I might shed a bunch of tears when I have. Because they made that. the Enterprise a character in the mm-hmm. in the stories, in the movies, yeah. in the films, and in, in the movies and in the TV series. It was, you know, it was more than just a piece of de- mm-hmm. technology. It had a life. It had it. It was a creature, and it's the, that's an interesting thing you say, Steve, because that's exactly how most fans feel about the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. That ship is is its own unique character mm-hmm. um, in the films, and that's why we cheered. I remember being in the movie theater for J.J. Um, Abrams' relaunch of Star Wars and seeing, realizing they're running towards the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. The theater erupted. I'll never live it down, though. I'll never live seeing that film down because I did not take my wife. I took her aunt <laughs> to mm-hmm. to see it. She, she, Devin was like, I don't have any desire to see a Star Wars film. My aunt was like, I do. I was like, well, let's go. Let's go have a 
aunt whatever I am to you <laughs> date, you know, and we'll just go. So my wife still doesn't let me like that time I took her aunt out on this weird date, but it was fun. That that mm-hmm. that whatever people think of that film. I love that they brought back the big scale real sets. I'm yes. sure they did a ton of green screen and yeah. the real Yoda, the puppet Yoda was yeah, brought back just, for that. I just I that that when when inside my heart I saw the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and I screamed out loud. It was embarrassing at first. Because I might have been the first one to do it, and uh, but then mm-hmm. everyone else followed suit. It was that's a great film moment. No, um, that 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 was so just, exciting. Oh, it was great. I yep, remember yep. listening, and this is a slight tangent. Listening to a podcast where they were saying that because they work for IGN and they were in their office on the day that Star Wars came out, and there were people, there were construction workers on the roof. And then someone just yelled out Star Wars. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, it's happening. And it was just that day that mm-hmm. it came out. And, oh, and honestly, honestly, so I think I think we have to recognize like I I wanna say two things real quick, and this mm-hmm. will be the last two things I contribute, yep. maybe. Yeah. Is yep. um George Lucas um got stinking lucky with the idea for star wars mm-hmm. he did not he he is a marketing genius though he took what became popular and he created immense wealth and uh, other whole other things with it and has continued to make money off of the success of that first one of course the films all make a lot of money made a lot yeah. of money in the long run but all the cartoons all the tv shows all everything the toys all the merchandising he did george lucas was a genius when it came to that because he just he's he capitalized Mm -hmm. on that so beautifully in that sense that's where he was a genius because he may have given 20th century fox the rights to the film but he said i want the rights to the merchandise and they're like fine right. who Go sells yeah. who's, who <laughs> sells merchandise for science fiction films nobody <laughs> does and that's what financed everything else he was able to do and then yeah. again i give disney credit and him a credit as well by saying i'm done here's here i'll take four billion dollars thank you very right, much right. <laughs> i'll walk away you guys do what you want to do and what does Disney do? They take that four billion dollars and they've probably earned it a hundred times over. Right, right. They've I, done and it wouldn't a, be where hmm? I was gonna say there's there's a, a a show, I think it's a Netflix show, The Toys That Made Us. And I think their mm-hmm. first episode oh, yeah. was about Star Wars and the Star Wars whole merchandising yeah. toys. So yeah, folks should watch that. Yeah. George and Lucas also, did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And I mean he he the plethora of video games too that helped push Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think also guys, we, we, we have to thank and appreciate JJ Abrams as Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans. Oh, for sure. Cause I was so, I mean, I got the theater I was in, I went with two other, my wife loves the new Star Trek films. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, thankfully she really enjoys those. Chris Pine helps with that a little bit, I think. But, oh yeah. Um, He's okay, guy. We, it's we, hair and beyond uh, is fantastic. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, JJ Abrams really got star trek going again i mean that that 2009 film is so great in so many ways the opening scenes with that was just fantastic Mm -hmm. um and um 
I, I just I I think it was phenomenal, and it made me all the more excited for the new Star Trek Star Wars reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the man has saved two of the biggest names in film industry um in star trek and star wars mm-hmm. um we we owe him a debt of gratitude no, for all this no, extra, no, I... extra extra stuff we get now i mm-hmm. chris i i really hated beyond i yeah, really but... disliked it um but i i understand a ton of people really loved it though too so it's it's a personal preference thing so um yeah i just i i think i think all in all Abrams did a fabulous job um, throughout. I'm a huge defender of those movies. I love them beyond. I liked aspects of. I think he has one of the best captain's log ever of of Star Trek because it it conveys how stressful and how tiring and exhausting the five-year mission can be. The rest of the movie, it has its moments, but uh, but yeah, no, I love J.J. Abrams. And 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 truly, you're absolutely right. And and I think what really made them so well was that JJ assembled a crew to work on the Star Trek films that were true believers, and yeah. so it came through. But he always said, "I love Star Wars more than Star Trek," and that came through in the Star Wars movies he made. So thank goodness, true believers took over the franchise and did what they did with it. Yeah. And almost well, that, mm-hmm. that could almost become an entire podcast. Oh my gosh, just talking yeah. about JJ Abrams and his effect on these two genres, uh, two different types of film <laughs> films, but um, maybe that's for another discussion. So um, I, I think we've, we've talked it out folks about star Wars, that little film series and TV little shows. That, yeah. Yeah. Once, yeah. once we're all caught up to, you know, Boba Fett, we have to come back and, we can actually talk about it we could talk about we could do actually a whole podcast on just the mandalorian and boba fett when we're all caught up (laughs) when we're all caught up and just how these are you know this is modern filmmaking and how everything they did in it is just remarkable so with that um chris i think you've got the mantle for next week so what would you like to talk about then Yeah, so next week, I'd like to explore the concept of do the ends justify the needs and look at that through various different sci-fi lenses. And of course, there'll be some Star Trek. There's a couple of episodes I want to mention that I want to actually not just mention, but have a discussion on that really explore that theme. That sounds great. I'm like we do. If you if you can give us a list of what you'd like us to be prepared for then we can have a very good, intelligent, open discussion about this that will have our listeners going, you know, that's exactly what I thought. And okay. wish they could only be able to talk directly to us uh, in this conversation that we're having. And we'll have to bring our lightsabers in case we disagree. <laughs> I, I, I have one that's a um, tongs for a barbecue. Does that work? Nice. So yeah. I don't have a lightsaber yet, but I do have plans when travel becomes safe and i don't know how florida is right now but i am going to go to galaxy's edge and i'm building a lightsaber we're getting a purple lightsaber with a curved hilt that's all i'll say excellent Uh, i've 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 been to the disney one out here in california and uh it i will say this disney did a great job with cars land more than they did with star wars land 
but it's still you walk in there and you feel mm-hmm. when you see a mock-up of the Millennium Falcon, you realize it's real and it becomes nice. special. So yeah. one of the new Star Trek, that's the next thing. When, not that Disney will buy it, but I want a Star Trek theme park. That's all I'll say. I Done. think there's some talk about that, but I have to go so, overseas, um, I think. To yeah, see that. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Just virtual reality. Just go to this, this workspace. <laughs> I mean, really, it's all. I, seriously, I could spend all day in there and, and explore. All right. It feels well, like there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say, I've said this before where I mm-hmm. put on, uh, even at work, I'll put on very low volume, but I'll just find like, oh, Enterprise D Bridge for 10 hours and I'll listen to it. Uh, it's amazing. No, I, I when I when I like to write for the uh, for Warp Factor Trek, I'll actually put on YouTube music of just Star Trek and just listen to it in the background. And we, can, we you know we can have a whole episode talking about music as well and how it affects the various different science fiction films and how it becomes an integral part that actually the music makes the story work. Um, so. Mm-hmm for a future podcast but for the moment um i want to thank again our listeners to the big sci-fi podcast be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast method of enjoyment i'm again steve merkin the old guy and you've been listening to in order alphabetically adina mignona author of crazy foolish robots brian donahue there you go and Christian Fox, uh, host of Yelling About Star Trek. And folks, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, and we just threw in a few out ourselves just in this last few minutes, but you'd like to share them then and on this or any other of our podcasts, do so at big sci-fi podcasts at gmail.com. And until then, keep listening. The future is bright. Thank you. 